Hey, Atlanta Born and Brand family. I know it's been a trying few weeks for everybody. I, like all of you, have constantly been thinking about the ramifications of what COVID-19 is going to do to the small business communities across Atlanta. To be honest, I'm tired of thinking. I'm tired of worrying. Personally, I'm ready to do something about it. That being said, we have decided to put an abrupt end to season two of our podcast and devote all of our resources to supporting the community we have built over the last two years. Starting next Monday, March 23rd, we are going to start re-releasing the first two seasons of our podcast, but this time with a segment at the beginning that tells you, our listeners, exactly how you can support that business during this season. We will also be releasing this information on our social media accounts, so keep an eye out. It's our goal to put out at least three episodes every week during this time, so keep an eye on your podcast feed and social media. Ultimately, though, these efforts will have a minimal impact on our community of businesses unless you get involved and help us out. We are creating a library of content that all of you can access, download, and share. Stay tuned. Much more to come on this. I really believe if we all buy into helping each other through this, we're ultimately going to be a stronger, unstoppable community on the other side. Much love and be well. Now to our last episode of Season 2. From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. But more importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and the brands that call it home can thrive for generations to come. Sometimes a new business comes along and we think, I never knew I needed this in my life, but I'm glad I have it now. That's how the community feels about HodgePodge Coffee House. A fusion of good coffee and art, HodgePodge has become a second home to many different types of folks here in Atlanta. People that we may not imagine existing side by side elsewhere. We sat down with founder Crystal Rodriguez to hear how she got started and how she is planning to continue the culture of love and inclusion that HodgePodge has created. So, Crystal, thank you so much for hosting us today. Absolutely. Um, and I want to get it all started started by saying this is just the coolest building. Thank you. Know? you. And the, the artwork around the building and just the feel is really, uh, it's really unique for a coffee shop. Right. Is that something that reflects your personality or is it something that you've kind of wanted to reflect the neighborhood? Where does the, the look and the feel of the shop, shop come from? Um, you know, we always wanted to be um, a community space. Like that mm. was always my goal. Yeah. So I definitely think that the building is a reflection of the community that sure. it's in. Um, when we first saw it, it was completely empty. The mm. garage door out the back was just an open hole. The windows by the bar were just an open hole. There was 
a family of birds living here. There was no business that had been in here for like <laughs> over 20 years. Wow. Um, and we walked in and no plumbing, no electrical, no HVAC, no nothing. And we're like, Whoa. this is perfect. <laughs> this is the one because that's what... Yeah, the price was right, I'm yeah. sure. Well, you know, yeah. our landlords were great, yeah. and we kind of had the idea in mind. So at the time, I had a lot of friends who were burgeoning artists. Mm. Um, we had all graduated from Georgia State, and yeah. they started having their shows in different galleries around the city. Yeah. And there was this really, really... Um, deep divide at the time in the arts community. And it's not that it's not still there now, but I feel like we have a lot more bridges at this point where you either were in, you know, a gallery in Buckhead and mm -hmm. you had to be well-established, potentially have an agent. If you didn't, there was a hanging fee. There was a large commission. At the time, mm -hmm. there were a lot of news articles actually coming out about some uh, galleries that were doing like 70% commission to the gallery, 30% wow. to the artist. Um, and even then, some of the checks were a little short. Uh, so there was that. And then on the other end, you would have, you know, this artistic community that really wanted to be able to put on these shows. And they were in buildings that were owned by people that didn't necessarily care as much about anything other than, you know, getting their rent every month. Yeah. So when my daughter was a baby, it was after one of the few times that it snowed here in Atlanta, we went uh, with my husband to go see my friend Chase's show, or he had a piece in a show. Mm. And the gallery at the time, we walk in, it's an electric, like his piece is electric, literally it's lights. And right by it, there is a bucket with water dripping into it. Mm. And I asked him, is this part of your piece? Because I don't know. I, I don't actually really consider myself that great at art. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, this is his installation. Maybe this is what he's looking like. This was, and he said, no, it snowed and it's melting and the landlord refuses to fix the roof. And wow. so I'm looking at this and, you know, it goes beyond being, you know, homegrown and, and into, I mean, almost a safety hazard. Sure. He's working with live sure. wires next to this right. bucket of water. So we knew that, like, there was the idea was a community space, but also a space where artists and people locally that are really talented would have the ability for their pieces to be seen mm. and to be seen in a clean, open space. Um, yeah. And also, hopefully, to be seen often enough that somebody would want to purchase. Because sure. I think a lot of times when you go to galleries, especially when you see the original price point, you love it. But the idea of actually putting that money out, Sticker shock. It's, a yeah. little, it's a little tough. But yeah. if you're looking at it every day for a month, now hmm. we do two-month rotations for the artists. And, hmm. you know, over your latte and you realize how much you really love it. Yeah. We have a lot of people who, if we put out and uh, remind people that the show's coming down in a week, will come and get that piece because they, awesome. you know, that's when they realize, okay, either I get it now or, you know, I might not be able to yeah. get it again. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm going to rewind a little bit because okay. I do want to talk about uh, that, but I want to take it back to the beginning. Okay. Where'd you grow up? All right. And uh, uh, you said, you mentioned us off air a little bit about that, but how do you ultimately uh, make it to Atlanta? Okay, so there, there are a couple of stops along the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. Um, my dad was working for Exxon, so gotcha. um, 
I lived there until I was four, and then he moved over to Mobile, and so we moved to Houston for two years, and then I lived in Dallas for four years, and then he um, starts doing business trips over to the Middle East. Mm. So he starts going to um, Doha, Qatar, and doing long stints. First it was three months, and I think it was six months, and then finally, they give him a contract for like us to all move wow. over there. So I moved to Doha, Qatar when I was 10. Hmm. Um, and I lived there for four years. So once his contract was over, um, my older sister didn't really enjoy living over there. Yeah. And so she had moved to Augusta, Georgia to live okay. with my aunt and go to high school here in the States. Um, so once our contract was over, since that's where she was, we figured we would just why not? Move right. to Augusta. Right. So, so uh, move to Augusta. Doha, Qatar, yeah, Augusta, Augusta, Georgia. Georgia, you know, <laughs> same thing. And so um, we lived there for a year before my dad got his next contract, and then we actually moved to Dubai. So I lived in Dubai uh, my sophomore and junior year wow. um, of high school. I went to the um, American uh, International School. By the time I moved there, I think they renamed it ASD, so the American School of Dubai. Um, and then contract was up as they do. And I moved back to Augusta for my mm. senior year of high school, which um, really worked out fine because I was able to get the Hope Scholarship and then yeah. come here. So, right. you know, after living in both a smaller city and a more metropolitan city, um, when picking a college, I definitely wanted to have the ability to live in a city where I could get lost in if I wanted to. Yeah. So yeah. in Georgia, Atlanta kind of becomes that only option. <laughs> your options are limited in Georgia. Yes. That's your criteria yes. for sure. So I came to Atlanta and I went to Georgia State. Um, Go and Panthers. Go Panthers. Yeah. Uh, one of our new locations will be at Summerhill. That's one Love of the it. reasons. Love so um, I met my husband there. Uh, I graduated with a degree in sociology, actually. Wow. Yeah. And I started working for nonprofits. Okay. Yeah. And then it's funny because we've talked to other people in entrepreneurship who have either a psychology or a sociology background. Mm -hmm. And you don't think, wow, you would think on the surface that's in no way related to what you're doing right. now. But then when you start to peel back the layers, like knowing just people is right. so key in, right. in running a business. No, so that's, absolutely. that's fascinating. Um, yeah. I, always, I always imagined like one day having a community space. Hmm. Um, I'm not really sure why. I think it might be because we moved so much when I was younger sure. that, you know, having this place that you could kind of call home that might not necessarily be your physical home yeah. is just was always really important for me. And it was a weird pattern that I continued because every year that I lived here in Atlanta until we bought our first home, I moved. It was like, even though I was staying within the city limits, it was like, oh, well, let's just see what's on this side. Yeah. So, you know, it was Grant Park. It was um, Buckhead for a year. Um, lived, you know, up off of by Chambly. Just, just, just kind of experienced Decatur for a little bit. Yeah. It, it kind of gets like stuck in you. Yeah. This idea of like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's move. Like, what's the next thing? Like, right. you know, why, but are, we, it leaves why a, are we sitting still? It leaves a gap though, <laughs> because you don't have that built in like community and relationships of folks that you've just lived Absolutely. close to right, for right. long periods of yeah. time. Yeah. And people yeah. that, you know, that you might not know or be familiar with, hmm. but this feeling that like when you're here you're connected yeah you know and 
it's not um, an anomaly to like you know lean over to the person next to you and start a quick conversation and before sure. you know it two hours later you both have to get back to your work yeah. or go home or yeah. something like that so yeah I always wanted some even in college I remember thinking like ah because Atlanta had a lot of this was before the development and um, boom and Atlanta had so many really cool empty buildings hmm. and no one was doing anything with them and it was like oh if I just had like that yeah. connection to you know reach out to a landlord who would rather have some activity in it than yeah. nothing, you know, and, and having some sort of resources to just make this like a space where like, you know, people could just um, congregate because there really aren't that many of those types of spaces. No. Not just in Atlanta, but really anywhere, sure. you know, that isn't surrounding alcohol, you know, or religion. <laughs> There's really no in between between those two. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Like yeah. it's very, very, you know, polarizing. Sure. So it's like, how do we, you know, find people that may not necessarily want to, you know, um, commune over the Bible or booze and like <laughs> find a space where like they can all kind of come together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I worked for, non for nonprofits. My husband and I got married. We met at Georgia State. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had always worked in nonprofits that dealt with like children and advocacy mm. and that sort of stuff. And um, I got pregnant and my supervisor was like, oh, you should be able to bring your daughter to school. It's, or, you know, bring her in to work. You've got your own office. I was mm. actually like in a separate building. So she was like, you know, we don't have to worry about the crying, the such and such. And I was like, great. So she brought it up to her boss and her boss said no. So, you know, I had to kind of figure out, because it's nonprofit, um, do I work to, you know, support other children while, like, my child is in daycare, or do I take this moment yeah. and take, a, like, a deep breath and <laughs> see if, you know, I should just stay home and see what we can do on, like, a one-person income. So yeah. it was tight, but we made it work, and that was in 2009, and then while... I was home with her and there was this realization that, oh, we can't actually be okay on one you yeah. know, income, which we had never tried <laughs> before. It's like, well, maybe this, this might be the time to start thinking about creating something, you know? Sure. Cause this was still the same thing that I would think about like every time I hated my job, you know, like every time you just are yeah. like, I'm so done one day. I'm yeah. going to own this place where this happens and this happens right. and this happens. And you know, I can just tell them all to shove it. And then rents do, and you're like, just joking. Yeah. I am going to yeah. just happily put my, I don't even know what people <laughs> use anymore. Do people still use Monster? I'm gonna put my, like, you know, I'm gonna put my resume on Monster. Yeah. I'm gonna pray that something else comes along, hmm. and I'll just sit here and grind it out. And so this was a time where, you know, I didn't have like those responsibilities like connected to my income. So hmm. I was allowed to kind of, you know, it gave me the space to kind of think like, is this the time? So, Speaking to two of my friends at the time, you know, we all kind of came up with this concept. Like my focus was like the community, you know, aspect of it. And like I said, seeing like other friends of mine who had graduated and, you know, for, with fine arts and really wanting to do something and seeing this really big gap, kind of like the Bible and booze, you know, the, <laughs> the bootstrapped, you know, um, art house versus the, you know, huge buckhead sort of gallery. Yeah. Um, 
and one of them actually worked at Caribou Coffee at the time, and so there was this idea of like also bringing in like coffee into it, you know, and bringing in something that people can like have these connections over. So, you know, played around with it a little bit, and then somehow a business plan came from it, and then it was like, all right, well we have a business plan, let's look at spaces. So we looked at spaces and. We looked at a few, and like I said, even though this one was probably far from the most finished, we walked in and we were like, no, this is that, because that room could be the gallery space, and this yeah. could be you know, where the kitchen is, and we can have this here and this here, and it was, it was strange how easy it was to kind of imagine the layout of something you know, this big, because yes, as, in terms of a coffee shop, this location is 3,000 square feet big so very yeah. rarely do you think of a coffee shop being that size yeah um but it's worked so, yeah yeah and so when do you uh when do you first start to work on this building and when do you open the doors for the first time so we started working on this building oh man 2009 i had my daughter so 2010 because mm. that was the end of of November 2009. So yeah. 2010 is when we work on our business plan. Summer of 2010 is when we start like looking at buildings. Yeah. And then I believe, yeah, July 2010, we signed the lease. Okay. And that was probably like one of the scariest moments of my entire life. You um, got a six month old, you know, yeah, seven month old. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that was easy. I didn't even, yeah. like, that was fine. Yeah. Before that, my biggest fear in life was giving birth. Hmm. And I'd always said, like, if we could just go back to the 1950s where a woman gets knocked out and wakes up with a baby, <laughs> that would be really, really great. And I ended up having help syndrome with my daughter and had to be put under and I woke up with a baby. Well, there so, you, go. you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. <laughs> be careful with what you ask for because it might happen. And so once that was out of the way, I was like, oh, well, that was the scariest. Like, hmm. oh, I didn't even have to deal with that. Like, that's great. Uh, and she was, in, in relation to other babies, I didn't know because it was my first. She was pretty easy. So I was like, hmm. oh, okay, this is, this is good. We can, we can start a business with a six-month-old. That's not right. a big deal. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but the idea of a five-year lease was horrifying to me. Of course. The yeah. idea of, you know, like I said, this building was... Um, an empty shell. Mm. That parking lot out there, um, not many people know, is a $100,000 parking lot mm. because it used to just be gravel. And then um, the city wanted us to reduce the watershed onto Moreland by 30%. And our landlords were like, well, you know, this building's been here for a very long time. It's always been shedding the same right. amount of water. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Apparently that doesn't matter. So there is a four foot by four or a four foot in radius pipe underneath this uh, parking lot to help with yeah. that. And this is um, apparently special secret porous concrete that like absorbs yeah. that water too. So just things like that that like you just never even imagine were things that came up. But we <laughs> were so so incredibly lucky because our landlords had told us, which is probably what really at the end of it, like, made this our decision was, you know, we understand that the building's been empty. We understand that there's a lot of work that has to be done. Um, it can't even be zoned for retail right now. Mm. So we will take on the responsibility of everything that needs to be done for this building to be zoned for retail. And then you guys will have to take care of your own build out for that. Mm. Um, and so that really, really, really helped us out. I mean, we opened this space with 
roughly like $40,000. Wow. Yeah. We couldn't get a loan. You know, no one was loaning to a brand new. I was about to say you're in 2010, like right yeah. after, mm-hmm. you know, financial crisis. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We couldn't even get an equipment loan because, you know, at first we tried a traditional and, you know, okay, it makes sense. You know, we're not profitable yet. We get that. Mm-hmm. And so then there was this option of an SBA equipment loan because, you know, at least then there's a collateral and they can bring right. it back. And even after the six week process going back and forth and back and forth, the answer to that was just kind of no. Um, it wasn't kind of, it was no. Yeah. <laughs> and so wh- what do you do? Did you, did you have thoughts after any of those conversations of, all right, I guess this, this is it. This is the, you know, the door's closing. Um, no, because I signed a five-year lease. Right. So, you know. Okay. So you, you signed the five-year <laughs> lease and then started getting these no's from. Well, sure. Because, yeah. you know, um, this is of course our first business right and so there was no real idea of what to do builder wise because Mm -hmm. we weren't doing the whole space we weren't really sure like how much we would need to do for what we wanted to do um so it was difficult to kind of figure all of that out Mm -hmm. um not none of us had a business degree Mm -hmm. so you know we're all just kind of winging it (laughs) um but I don't know. I think I've always just kind of been like one of those people where it's like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, we'll just, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out something. Yeah. There's always a something. Even if yeah. it's not exactly what you thought initially, there's a something. Yeah. And uh, that something was that the city was really, really, really difficult to work with. Mm. And what should have been a three-month build-out took a year and a half. Wow. So... It was irritating because, you know, we had plans and um, one of my original three partners had to drop out because Mm -hmm. it took so much longer for us to get started, you know, and her first responsibility was to her family and there was, you know, absolutely no hard feelings, still friends to this day because I mean how, of course, like that's, you know, that's your first priority. And then my mom actually hopped in. Um, I guess when she saw that, like, I wasn't just joking. Oh, this is a real thing. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. So she definitely yeah. took a leap of faith to like trust her, you know, middle middle daughter oh. to to be able to, you know, hmm. uh, create a business and yeah. a you know a successful one. So, are your other partners all folks that you met at Georgia State? So, actually, I don't think I ever met. I did not meet both of them at Georgia State, but I met them through friends that I knew at Georgia okay. State. I got so we were all right around the same age range. Yep. One of them was my friend Jana's manager at Hot Topic in Alpharetta. Okay. There you go. So she started working there in high school, worked there through college, but didn't have a car, and we both lived at the village. So every once in a while, I would like, drive her up there. So like mm-hmm. I met um, one of them through there. Yeah. And then um, the other one was really good friends with my friend Leah. And okay. so, yeah, we all, we all went. Well, Ashley didn't go to Georgia State because she was the manager. She went somewhere else. But we all met through, through that, network. that sort of network. I yeah. got you. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so my mom hopped in, and that amount of time, as frustrating as it felt, you know, now looking back on it, kind of gave us that time to kind of yeah. pause and find those how do we make this work kind of, sure. you know, deals. I mean, a brand new espresso machine can is easily the cost of a new car. Mm. So a brand new espresso machine can be like $25,000. I mean, it can be anywhere between, yeah, 
you know, low end, depending on like what your volume is, maybe like 15. And then there's like high end where it's like 35. Yeah. We found ours on Craigslist <laughs> um, for 3,000, I believe. Um, Made it work. Yeah. 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 Um, a woman yeah. was doing a balloon cart, I believe, or gift baskets in the mall. And someone suggested that she should also do coffee. Like somehow that was going to be a nice compliment. And so she bought the machine. She hated it mm. and took it and put it in a back closet in her room for, or in her house for like three years. And so and when we got it, it was just waiting, filthy. Like mm. we cleaned it up. Yeah. Um, at the time there was one man in all of Atlanta who worked on, um, <laughs> who worked on espresso machines. Yeah. His name is Gary. I hope he's doing well. Yeah. Um, and Gary came and we turned that bad boy on and it exploded, uh, crack in the tank, but Gary was able to figure out what it was and yeah. Gary fixed it. And that's how we got our espresso machine. If hmm. you walk through to the back door, uh, she's still there. She's a, she's a planner. Yeah. We, we would never, we were never going to get rid of Pavi. So Pavi was our first espresso <laughs> machine and she's a planner. With a couple succulents there you go. over there on that table. So sweet Pavi. Yeah, sweet, sweet Pavi. She got us through. <laughs> she got us through the first few years uh, yeah. by the skin of her teeth. Bless her, because that yeah, it was. There were some days where yeah. I didn't think she was gonna make. Mm. It. And were you living close to the shop when you made the decision? Yes. To, yes. So I was living yeah. over in Chosewood, um, okay. but my other two partners were living. One was in Buckhead, and the other one was, I think, like Roswell at mm. the time. So we looked in. Areas where he felt like the concept, you know, kind of reflected what the neighborhood would want. Um, But we looked in over near Inman Park, Little Five, way before the boom, the um, mumblings of what a Beltline was. I was was just going to say, you're talking 2010, 2011. Yes. Like there were plans, Mm -hmm. but the big elephant in the room that is the Beltline was not a thing yet. Yeah, no one knew. 2012, I think construction started. Yes, no one knew exactly what it was. We (laughs) knew what their plan was. We knew theoretically what was supposed to happen, Mm. um, but no one really knew how it was going to roll out. So one of them, you know, that was one of the things that the the landlord like touted to us was like, look. at this and it was like an empty like you know like car lot with like <laughs> with grass on the other side and he's like this will be the belt line and I'm like yeah. I don't know what that means that means nothing yeah to me. that sounds exciting yeah. he's like no there will be a path one day that where people can walk and I'm like that's delightful that's yeah. yeah but that was like an old salon which was actually it was an old salon space that was in an old house so mm. um but it was one of you know a, a beautiful you know craftsman house and it was actually really awesome but there was this like our main thing was the rooms were too small if because we always wanted like I said like a large like gathering space Mm. kind of ability um and so the rooms were a little too cut off trying to figure out the plumbing we at least knew at that point uh what the plumbing would have to look like and it just seemed like it'd be a little too difficult to do in an old beautiful home that we wouldn't want to like destroy and ruin the character that's in it. Um, Another place we looked at actually was over near Cabbage Town and it was an old church. And so it was huge Mm. and airy and beautiful and we really, really considered that one. Um, But there were some things that needed to be done. You know, it was a church, and so the floors were a little bit slanted. Mm. So, you know, that would have to be leveled. 
Um, and you could tell that the realtor that showed it to us really wanted somebody to buy it and not rent mm. it. Rent it was kind of that second choice. Yeah. Okay, we've if got that in to. the pocket. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It was an older church, so for, but for some reason the bathroom was downstairs like in the basement and so I knew I didn't know much but I knew that for ADA (laughs) there needed to be a bathroom on the main floor right so I believe I used the term we when I said oh can we you know use the same plumbing from downstairs bring it upstairs to make sure that we have restrooms here and she looked at me and said you can and that's when I realized, oh, so we're we're going to be doing a lot of mm-hmm. building improvement yeah. um, that we would not be able to take with us with right. our very meager amount of money sure. <laughs> that sure. we have. So that was definitely um, something that we had to consider. And there were a couple of other options. There were a lot of, at that point, there were a lot of restaurants that were empty where, you know, we didn't have to worry about a grease trap and plumbing and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But it still wasn't just like that feel that you wanted yeah that we had kind of decided on yeah because the i mean sort of and i don't know how reflective it was in your business model but sort of the whole we had concept no business model so <laughs> yeah well in the business plan you were talking right. about uh sort of the concept was not like all right we want to open a coffee shop it's we want this community space that is going to look and feel this very specific way right and coffee is going to be a vehicle that we use to drive those sorts of conversations and relationships. Whereas if if you're just trying to open a coffee shop, you know, you find the busiest corner you can and you make it work. Right. Um, Now you're here at, what are we at the corner of Moreland and Ormwood? Mm -hmm. Okay. This place was very different. It was. 10 years ago. It really was. Yeah. What, uh, you know, tell me about those early days. So you open the doors. Is it? We opened the doors January, 2012. So yeah, literally. Our three-month build-out became a year and a half. So July 2010, we signed the lease, finally opened up January 21st, Hmm. 2012. Um, And our... uh, Is that exciting? Is it terrifying? It's both. It is a nice nice mix of Hmm. both. You're really Mm -hmm. not sure what's going to happen. Sure. Um, You're really not sure what you want to happen. Hmm other than people coming through the door yeah. and enjoying what you're giving them. That is really mm. the only two things that, you know, you're really focused on at that point. Um, but you know in the back of your mind that people can come through the door and people can enjoy it and you can look at your P&L at the end of the month and say, we can't do this right. for so, long. So the fun yeah. thing is that I didn't know that because I didn't know what a P&L was. <laughs> like I literally like knew nothing. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. your bank account. Right. Your, your, you know, your balance. Right. Yeah. So what I knew yeah. was um, was that I wanted to make sure that we had 90 days of overhead. Hmm. And I didn't know why I felt that was as important, but like that was the number for me. Yeah. So even when we were budgeting and figuring out what kind of equipment we wanted, you know, and how many people on staff that we needed and all those types of things. I just remember thinking 90 days, 90 days, 90 days. Sure. Like, and even then I wasn't really sure how much our electricity was going to be, but you know, right. rough estimates, let's assume this will be this, this will be this, let's assume payroll, hmm. which I've never run in my life will be this. And we all know what our rent's going to be. So, you know, mm-hmm. well, and that, that it was nice to be able to like keep that in a kitty and hope that, you know, we would have enough volume to go through, you know, 
the rest of it and just kind of slowly build and slowly build and slowly build until you know we're kind of self-sustaining sure so that was that was the goal um, at the time looking back and I realized that is ridiculously optimistic but it worked so I don't know yeah there you go yeah you did something it, right it worked but you know yeah. there were also a lot of things that like we had to concede on and a lot of things that um, you know maybe wasn't you know what most people would imagine rolling out something with and mm -hmm. I think one thing that I've talked to people about since that you know is that You've got to get over the idea that you're going to do everything right the first time because there's just a natural evolution anyways, you know? And I think maybe I'm lucky that I'm a little bit more pragmatic than a lot of people. It's sure. not that I'm not a daydreamer because obviously <laughs> it's here. So, you know, there is that part of it. Yeah. But we would get complaints about things like your chairs are really uncomfortable. And huh. I was like, well, yeah, they're really uncomfortable because we bought them from a caterer <laughs> who decided to drop her whole life here and go meet her boyfriend in Portland and live there for the rest of her life. We yeah. got these chairs and all of our tables for $200. Simmer down. Right. Because you could either have really comfortable chairs or um, you could have electricity. Yeah for your Wi-Fi and the delicious coffee that I'm making you. And really, it's one or the other at this point. <laughs> and that's, so that's what we went with. Yeah. And you know, it makes you feel like you might not know much about business. And when you're so worried because you don't have like a real nest egg to be able to sit on, um, you know, that people may never come back, like that's always like the biggest worry. Sure. To this day, eight years later, if we have a slow day, slower than like I'm expecting. Stressful. Well, I'll just look around and be like, you guys, we had a really good run. Like, <laughs> like we did, we did really well. We can say yeah. that we've changed this community forever. Yeah. And uh, hmm. we'll see each other like around the way. Cause I never know. Like, I just like, that's always been like my yeah. thought process. And you know, we were 27 when I opened and hmm. um, I was 27 when we opened, there we go. <laughs> and you know, like I said, uh, my partner, well, at this time it was my mom and then my partner at the time, Lynn, and we were the same age. And, you know, she she definitely would worry a little bit more than I would. And I mm. think it's because, like, in my mind, I, I told her, I was like, you know, well, if it doesn't work out, we can say we owned a business before we were yeah. 30. Yeah. And, I mean, people's life expectancies now is, like, 90. Like, I sure. expect to live, like, <laughs> six or seven lifetimes, you know, by then. Yeah. So, like, this was never a... Yeah. I'm not gonna say it was never a forever thing, because obviously I love it, but I never had this fear that like if I didn't succeed, I would be a failure. Sure. Because those are two, like they're not actually same sides, you know, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, and I think it's it's you almost have to have that kind of mindset when you're running a business, especially when you know you like your family aren't, aren't necessarily, you know, running a small business, especially a retail like right. coffee shop. You don't have, you know, friends. You don't have these expectations. If you'd have come in to this and you know thought, okay, if this if this doesn't work, you know, that's the end. Right. Like, my life is over. Right. You're setting yourself up for a l whole lot of stress on top of what's naturally going to be there running a space. Absolutely. Um. So it's good that you had that. Yeah. Um. But. The community aspect. I'm curious, how soon was it before you know you could kind of take a a step back and look around the store and think to yourself, okay, this thing that we wanted to do is mm -hmm. happening and is starting to and work. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. 
it was definitely a slow build, but I think it was a slow build because it was a very, very, very organic build. You know, we didn't have money for advertising. I don't think we even really knew what efficient advertising would be anyways. I still don't know what efficient advertising would be <laughs> to this point. As far as I know, other than the uh, statistic that most people don't travel further than five miles from their home for their morning cup of coffee, mm. I know that that means that my target audience is probably within five miles of, you know, wherever yeah. my location is. Right. Other than that, I really don't know. I still don't know. I don't know if social media really does much of anything. I don't know if I'm just yeah. like speaking into, you know, the ether and some of it will be picked up, some of it won't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it was very much a natural like progression and it was really cool because instead of having people come in and saying, you know, like, oh, we saw you on this, we saw you on this, we saw you on this, it was like, oh, my friend had been telling Somebody me about me you. About yeah. You know, or even better, the friend was so excited about us that they brought them in. And they would be like, see, this is what I told you. Like, I yeah. told you, like, they do this and they do that and they have this. This one's my favorite. This is like, and we still have that to this day. Yeah. And I think having people that, you know, just like, proud of you is insane like mm. people that aren't connected in any other way other than you know they've decided to like put a chance on your idea yeah and they came into the space and they got it yeah is wild like to think that mm. anyone would really want what you want sure <laughs> well there, it's kind there's, of crazy. there's a level of pride and something really cool when you see somebody bring somebody else to something that isn't theirs that right. they didn't create right and they are like excited and proud to share that absolutely and almost you know like we all have those places that when we have friends come in from out of town mm -hmm. we want to impress them by showing right. them the super atlanta thing right. or the thing that's like you know really cool in our neighborhood that not a lot of other places right. can duplicate and like to see your spot kind of becoming be that, that thing, thing yeah. has to be pretty cool. I think that was one of, yeah, there were a couple of times where that happened. So I think the first time when I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right, I think we're getting there, was um, we saw realtor flyers. And the realtor flyers, this was when, because we opened up, let's see, maybe a year, year, maybe two years before East Atlanta was voted like the coolest neighborhood like right. in the country. and the explosion happened mm -hmm. um and so we would start seeing these realtor flyers because everyone you know these houses were being renovated and things were for sale and ones that would say like in walking distance to hodgepodge like we were literally <laughs> like a highlight of why you should move into yeah. this neighborhood and That's spend cool. what at the time to me I mean, I, I had no idea how high these house prices were going to be yeah. but even at that time where I was like you're spending that much on a house mm -hmm. And it's because you're walking distance mm -hmm. from us. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And then we had people who came in when they were dating. And then they would come in when they got engaged. And then they came in <laughs> when they were married. And then they walked in when they had babies. Their first kid. Yeah. And just seeing like that kind of progression and evolution sure. is really amazing. And we've had a few weddings here. And that's like, cool. that's really amazing. Mm. We had people who came here and did their photo shoot because, you know, like their engagement photos because they loved it. Yeah. And then asked, you know, can we get married here? And we were like, 
Yeah. yeah. Like, imagine wanting to spend, like, you know, your, like, one of the most important days of your life, like, in the coffee shop that, yeah. you know, has just become, like, your second home. Like, that's, yeah. that's always crazy for me. I used to try to do work over at, like, a small table in the bistro mm. and, you know, just kind of, like, knock things out before I would go and pick up my kids because they go to school right around the corner. And um, there would definitely be, like, some days where, like, it was just, like, that steady flow of just people walking in and walking out and then you know when we first opened one of the things that was in all of our reviews constantly was like ample parking ample parking ample parking yeah which i do think we have the largest parking lot of any coffee shop in the city <laughs> however we also have the largest i couldn't find a spot building. today i'm just saying that's what i'm saying and like that's the thing is that like then all of a sudden right around like i would say year five yeah. the reviews would change and they would be like great spot tight parking and i'm like what are you talking we have 24 parking spaces. Like, what do you mean? Like, no. And then I started, like, I just, I would look out there yeah. and be like, oh, wait, that's because they really are full. Like, hmm. there are people here, you know, day in and day out, yeah. rain or shine. And, you know, I am one of those people where if the weather is awful, I find any excuse not to leave my home. Right. I will work from home. I will ask my husband very nicely to pick up the children with a smile. Like, you know, I really don't want to. And to see people come in, rain or shine, to telework hmm. is like such a testament. Like, you put on pants to right. leave your couch. Right. Tied your shoes. You tied your shoes <laughs> and got in your car and drove here yeah. to come sit at one of our tables. Sure. You know, like that is, I'm never. Um, I never take that stuff for granted. Yeah. Because it's such, it's still to this day, it's a wild concept to me. Like mm -hmm. I said, when we have a slow day, I still look around, I'm like, guys, thank you for everything. Yeah. Thank you for believing in me. Mm -hmm. We had a great run. Look at this. <laughs> we almost hit 10 years. Like, let's go out with a bang. And, you know, yeah. and then they tell me to calm down and go home. And I do. And then, you know, things. <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah, and everything's fine. Until COVID 19. Until COVID 19. But to... you know what? Wash your hands. We'll wash That's right. ours. That's right. We are on Postmates. I like Get it. your delicious stuff like delivered to your home. You don't have to put on pants. Just yeah. open the door slightly so that you don't assault the You know, you said you don't know much about advertising. There's yeah. your new advertising campaign that right there. There we go. You know? I'm helping myself and Postmates. Hodgepodge coffee. You don't even have to put on pants. You don't have to put on pants. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. I'm closing Great. down all of the locations. That one's for free. We're going. We're, <laughs> we're only doing that. We're only doing delivery coffee. For I now. feel like the, that... You might get some unwanted guests at the actual shop, though, if you advertise that way. That oh, that's be, true. Yeah. That's very true. Caref careful. Yeah. Um, well, the name. Mm -hmm. How do you come up with HodgePodge? Okay, so um, that was a little more difficult. Hmm. We went back and forth and back and forth on a number of names. Um, and then I think what happened... Well, I know what happened. I'm trying to remember where we were. I think we were at Park Grounds one day. We were at Park Grounds one day, and Ashley had her daughter, and I had Lily, like just like my little dumpling, and we're just trying to figure out a name because we feel like once we have a name, we'll be able to like, you know, move forward and you know really be able to like figure out what the spaces that we're trying to create. Mm -hmm. And um, there's something about trying to figure this stuff out with like three women and I am, um, I have realized I'm not um, a very flowery type of woman. So like there are a lot of like 
aesthetic and name things where I was like, uh, no. Because yeah. even I wouldn't walk into mm-hmm. there and, you know, um, I don't know, like, if you want a tea house, like, then you're going to have to have, like, a tea house. <laughs> like, this cannot be, the, uh, no. Um, and so, but, you know, we were all still friends. As, as different as we were, like, we were all still friends. And then I started thinking about, like, you know, if we're trying to create the space that, you know, we're trying to see in the world and this place where like people from all over can kind of commune together. It's like, I wish we could find a way that would kind of, you know, or a name that would describe like our hodgepodge of like family and friends. And then we just kind of sat there for a minute and we were like, I mean, why don't we just do hodgepodge? hodgepodge?" You know, because at that time we still had like three very different like concepts that we wanted to do in the space. Mm -hmm. We wanted it to be an art gallery. We wanted to have the merch wall. Um, we wanted to have coffee, and well, I guess technically four, because then we also wanted to have like our own baked goods that we do here. Right. So it was, you know, those four things at the time, anyways, like didn't all really seem to like collide together. Sure. And the fact that all of those were to us, you know, maybe not equally profitable, but equally important. Yeah. Like we didn't want like that part, any part of it to kind of like go away because we went have too to much with like right. the coffee thing, or we went too much with mm-hmm. like, you know, the cupcakes that we were making or we went too much with just the art so um originally it was coffee house or coffee shop wait hodgepodge coffee house and gallery (laughs) that was the original very long (laughs) name um and then after a few years i would say three years is probably when i when i finally started to like being able to like breathe and wasn't Mm. putting out fires every day because you know when you first open, that's all you're doing. It's just making sure you can open again the next day. Um, And, you know, if something happens, you're fixing it. And we finally got into, like, this rhythm where I would come in here expecting to fix something, and there was nothing really to fix. And so I was like, okay, well, then we should probably be working towards something. But we had no goals because our goal was – to be open. To survive. <laughs> yeah, be open. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like, okay, well, maybe now we should have, like, goals involved mm. in this. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, but how do you just make up goals? Once again, to this day, year three, no idea what a P&L sheet is. Mm. I have no idea what a balance sheet is. Like, we had, a, we, had a, we had a bookkeeper and QuickBooks. I would do our QuickBooks, mm. and then our bookkeeper would, like, you know, clean it up however it needed to yeah. be, and then that was sent to the accountant, and then mm. we just did taxes because... Um, I would say we probably like broke even mm. around that third year or two. Sure. Um, and so, you know, before that, I mean, everything was like, I didn't care. Like, it's at mm. a loss. Like, I know what that means. Like, we're <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, and so we found a Minus base. $5, right. minus $500. Like, I mean, like what's, what's the, the difference? I mean, honestly, yeah. sometimes I miss those days because <laughs> our tax returns were really great. And I really miss, like, getting money back at the end. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I really miss getting yeah. money back after filing you. taxes. I'm with you. It was a good time. Hmm. It was a good time. Hmm. I was like, all this hard work. Free money. Free money that yeah. I gave to you <laughs> that you are now giving back to me. It's fine. Um, but I'll take it in one large check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, uh, no pity check from the government yeah, this year? Yeah, I know. What? I was real, the first year that happened, I was like, this is disrespectful. <laughs> and then the next year when I had to pay, I was like, this is yeah. an You guys are out of line. What is you this? Are, are you serious? Like, I already yeah. pay you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so we found a, well, we, we, um, 
we dated a couple of uh, business advisors, you know, mm-hmm. sat them down in here, kind of explained what our idea was going forward, what we do now, what do you think, you know, we should do. And so we met with three and we picked one. And um, I mean, he is really who got me to like look at my business as a mm-hmm. business. And that was really great and like really eye opening for sure. me. You know, he. The idea was that he would give us our two-year tactical plan as long, along with like a SWOT analysis, but at the same time, to do all of that, it wasn't him saying like, you know, okay, give me your books and let me look at it. It was, okay, well now, Crystal, you are going to sit down with your POS system and you are going to go through and see what your sales are every single day of the week and find out that trend of what days are your slowest days, what days are your busiest days that you can, you know, make sure that like your payroll reflects that. Yeah. Um, you're going to go through and you're going to break down your sales hourly to see what are your peak hours and which ones are your slowest. Could you possibly close earlier or open later? Are there days where you should be closed all together? Yeah. You know, um, sit down and see what your biggest sellers are like out of everything that you give, you know, that you sell, um, how much of that is actually going towards your bottom line? Like, what is the percentage? Because once you see, you know, the things that are actually paying your bills, not that the other things aren't important, but like when you are thinking about ways to divide your time, you need to focus on those things that are, you know, keeping those paychecks going to your sure. employees and that sort of stuff. Um, and so that was really the first time I feel like I really felt like a business owner. Yeah. Because there's that feeling of like not control, just knowledge. Like, oh, so this is what I've created. Because, you know, you can walk in and look around and be like, holy, like, I created this. But, like, when you break it down into that, you're like, no, 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 you created all of this. Mm -hmm. And now you have to create the systems that go along with, like, with, like, you know, keeping this where it is or growing it, which, you know, is where where we want it to be. So, you know, I will forever be indebted to Mike Gomez for that. He, Mm -hmm. He did, like, that was, that was really, really insightful for me. It's awesome. Shout out, Mike. I know. Thank you, Mike. At yeah. Allegro Consulting. <laughs> so, again, that was so that was year three. You said that was year three. And here we are at year eight. Year eight, eight, being yeah. Open, or maybe this is the ninth year. You're going into your ninth year. I don't that would be right. Know. Let's yeah. see. We opened eighteen. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's 2020. Yeah, it's like birthdays, right? That's right. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we are fully eight years old, and we are working to our ninth. Yeah, to yes. your ninth. Yeah. yeah, you just had your eighth birthday. We did. There you go. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, when you know, you talked about having that moment of, okay, we we accomplished goal number one. Mm-hmm. Now, what's next? Right. Here at your eighth birthday, mm-hmm. and plus a couple months. What what are those new goals for you of you know five ten years down the line? Where are you wanting to to move this towards and push this towards? Um, oh well, we got stuff in the works. I will say up until year five, when people would say like, oh, well, when are you going to open up your second location? I would say uh, when I'm dead. Like mm-hmm. that will never ever ever happen. Do you see this building? <laughs> Do you see the shenanigans that go on in here every uh-huh. single day? I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is all I need. Um, but in year four, I actually split from, like, my other um, original partner. Okay. Um, and so when that happened, it was, you know, a, it was a rough, not transition, but, like, the actual, like, divorce, mm. you know? Because uh, we were really good friends. So it was, like, yeah. this really hard kind of, like, you know, how do we – because – 
one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, people go into business for different reasons, sure. right? And so um, just our two, like, focuses just, like, absolutely were, like, not aligned with, mm -hmm. like, with the business and, like, you know, just just really, like, the day in and day out and responsibilities and, you know, right. what, what you need to do. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that was a bit of a shakeup. Um, but I will say that, like, my staff, like, really, really, really rallied. Like, I've always had the most wonderful staff, and I don't know what I've done to, like, deserve them. But especially in food service, like I said, we just celebrated our eighth birthday, and I have one employee who's been with us for six, hmm. and I've got a couple that have been with us for five. Yeah, and, it's rare. You know, it is. It's yeah. really, really, really rare, and I am thankful for it. And so at that time, like, we really rallied, and I think, like, it was another point where like it kind of gave me the space of like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I can do this, you know? And, and it gave me this like freedom to be like, not only can like I do this, but I can like really do this, yeah. right? You know, like it's like I can really like push this forward and, you know, work on creating these systems where like this, like there was a moment where I was like, oh, shit like this could be replicable like like replicable like because you know at first it was like yeah. this can't this is like such a right. ridiculous anomaly like there's no way that this would work like anywhere else like there's no way that this would work like mm. in another building like there's no way that this would like that this could like be somewhere else like there's just this weird like thought that like you know we're just like this microcosm <laughs> and you know it's like here but i think we started having um customers that would come to me like on the weekends when I would still be here on the weekends and they'd be like, I come from Smyrna hmm. here every weekend. Like I can't do that. You know, like even though there's coffee shops in Smyrna, they're like, I really like this. Sure. And if you ever want to move to Smyrna, <laughs> be my guest. Um, you know, yeah. You know, we, you would have people that want yeah. this there. Right. And then we had people, we have one, he probably still comes. I don't work on weekends anymore. But That's he awesome. would come here um, from Cartersville Whoa. every weekend with his friends and bring them. And they would hang out and they would order their sandwiches and they would go from coffee to non-caffeinated back to coffee. And they would <laughs> just do like, you know, sometimes they would bring risk or like, you know, games because we have enough space that you can do that. And they would just like hang out hmm. and they came every single weekend and there was, and he said the same, like, if you would ever open up in Cartersville, like, people want this, like, it, and it, and I started having this realization, like, okay, this isn't just an anomaly, sure. like, this is the idea, not, of course, that the idea of community is an anomaly, but, you know, that this kind of community that we have created, you know, the fact that we are so, um, just, like, open and respectful to, like, anyone that walks through the door, you know, we are so diverse in like who our customer base is and just like welcoming and loving. And I think that that then makes, you know, it reassures our patrons and like that sort of like feeling just kind of like grows and grows and grows. Like, yeah. you know, one day I was in here and literally Sunday afternoon and there was like a Bible group studying next to like an LGBTQ, like, you know, like meetup. And the idea that like, and, and like I'm hearing both conversations and like everyone was just so like respectful and like grateful for like the space and to be mm -hmm. able to like do both things on like a Sunday evening, you know, like things that people think are, you know, those two, you know, very 
right. very, you know, polarizing things, which they're not, mm. you know. Um, but for a lot of people, there's there's just that idea that it is. Um, and to be able to come together and do that, I was like, yeah, like there probably there are probably plenty of neighborhoods that would love something like this yeah. and people living in those neighborhoods that would want something like this. Sure. And I think that probably was the adjustment too, because East Atlanta and, you know, and Ormond Park and Grant Park and like this kind of area and little five points in Candler, like the Southeast side of the city had always been like that, that, that kind of like reprieve for the artists and like, mm -hmm. you know, the, the gig, like, you know, worker and like you know yeah. the person that just kind of like wants to live their own life and like you know everybody else can either take it or leave it sure. which I think is you know very much part of our community yeah. um but then while we weren't really looking like the development happened right mm -hmm. and like being outpriced of like these neighborhoods where you know you used to be able to do your gig work and be a full-time artist and live happily yeah. and so it's almost like our community has spread out due to necessity sure and so we kind of need to branch out with it so last year at the end well yeah mid to late april we officially opened up our one moreland location so we're still on moreland hmm. why not um <laughs> but we're on the other side of 20 and um it's weird how being on the other side of 20 is like being in like another world yeah. sometimes hmm. uh and when i went to go look at the space I was forewarned, um, Ren from Batdorf uh, called me and said, hey Crystal, I think you should look at the space. They wanted us in it, but we have a rule that you know we can't be too close to our account holders, which I appreciate. Shout out to Batdorf mm. and Bronson, I love them. Mm. They're wonderful people. He was like, but I think it might be really good for you. So I'm here thinking like, Ren, if it's too close for you to open up by me, yeah. why would I open up a second one that close? Like that seems silly but okay and so I go down there and I check it out and I'm like no this is too close like I liked it it has the exact same like feel of this it's like an older building yeah. that like you know they renovated and like exposed brick and I was like actually okay this is really cool I really like it but don't be ridiculous crystal that makes no sense you're too close you're it's only an interstate that's separating you and then it was like 2 30 in the afternoon when I left there to come back and had already decided like too close and I came back here to like finish up my work and I couldn't find a place to park. <laughs> and it was 2.30 on like a Tuesday in the summer. Yeah. And I was like, well, hell, you might need a location that's that close. <laughs> yeah. Like you just might, yeah. you know, and it might have to be, and it might, and maybe it should be a different concept because it was a smaller space. So it was like, you know, it should probably be like an in and out for those people that, because we had been hearing feedback, you know, where if I drive by and your parking lot is full, just from what I can see, like I just keep going because yeah. I don't know where to park. Like I don't know what to do. So um, I was like, that can be more of like an in and out for those people that drive by this parking lot and go, nope, and just yeah. keep going down Moreland and then, you know, take your quick left and then you can circle right back out and keep on going. So we've been open there since the end of April. Um, so we're coming up on a year. And uh, we were supposed to break ground in a Decatur location this month, mm -hmm. but um, the plans that were given us to our, by our landlord for our mechanical engineer, um, electricity and plumbing were inaccurate that our plans were built off of. Seems important. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, we'll be fine. The issue is really having an inspector come in to approve and he's going sure. off your plans and your plans look nothing like what's actually built there. Right. They have 
strangely they have issues with that. So no, we're doing a bit no of editing joke. now and we're hoping to be open um, there in the fall. And you know, we've got Summer Hill. Uh, that'll be in a new build near Turner Field. Um, probably in like Georgia State. Georgia State. State. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so I used to live over there, and so for 10 years we called it Turner Field. Yeah. It's very hard to I used to, to work out. at Turner Field, but my brother is a Georgia State grad. Oh, uh, there you go. Every time I call it Turner Field, he's like, uh-uh. bro, yeah. it's uh, yeah. Georgia State. <laughs> Ted, Ted's not paying for this place anymore. He's not wrong. Okay. He's not yeah. wrong. Um, so, but, yeah, so Georgia State Stadium will yeah. be right over there um, on the same block as the like new student housing and that sort yeah. of thing. So really, once again, like right in the That's community. Cool. Mm-hmm. My husband, who just walked in and walked back out. We're both Panthers, you know. <laughs> so um, it was really exciting to be able to do something that was not only a part of like the neighborhood I lived in for so long, but you know, my alma mater. Like that's yeah. really cool, and yeah. it's kind of like that really weird full circle where now that I'm sitting here talking to you about it, like I just realized when I was in college at Georgia State, I dreamt about having this community space, hmm. and now in a couple of years, I'll be able to like have this community Provide space for. Folks. Yeah for the students. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and then taking the community thing and kind of running with it, I'm going to have um, a new concept coming up in Adair Park. We're going to be in the old elementary school um, that has sat abandoned since 1973 mm. um, that is being turned into affordable live work um, studios for artists. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be really cool. Uh, Going on the west side. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is where I live now. So, you know, okay. I'm like, I don't want to bring it. Like, gotcha. I, I live in Cascade now. So I want to, you know, bring something to that side yeah. of town. Um, it's going to be a really cool concept. And uh, my landlord for One Moreland asked me if I wanted to be a part of this because this is his. <laughs> and they have a commercial space. He's like, it could be a food thing. And I'd been thinking lately about how there's something really interesting where women specifically don't really have a space that's been like created for them for a community. Um, and it's unless, unless it is some sort of lesson to like better yourself. So, you know, it's learning a craft, it's going to spin class, it's hot yoga, it's <laughs> something, something that you're paying for and something that you are improving upon yourself because yeah. apparently women are not just okay. Mm, just to, to just, hang out. Just being, yeah. just, just to breathe and just mm. to like live and just to enjoy, you know. And so um, I really started thinking about that and, um, you know, I have a lot of friends that are in the queer community and there was kind of this idea that it was kind of this, it was, they were kind of feeling the same way because they felt like they were kind of aged out of like the queer spaces that they had, not necessarily like age, age, but just like where they were in life. You know, they were like, I'm, I'm married now, you know, we have children, like mm-hmm. I want to, but I can't go like, you know hang out at the bar every night or like, you know, and I'm too tired for a nightclub. Like, you know, like the same yeah. thing that everyone else has the exact same conversation. Right. Like for me, it started a lot younger than other people. Like for me, it started at like 22. I was like, I'm too old for this. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I can't be bothered. Like one, like I was like, I've been drinking illegally for like eight years. Like I, I don't need to like do this for like another eight. Like I'm good, you yeah. know, sort of deal. Um, but, and I, and I feel that and I, so I really started thinking, like, I would love to do a concept where it wasn't, like, exclusionary by any means, but that it would be a very intentional space that was created around, like, the enjoyment 
and the comfort and the security and like safety yeah. of women and queer people. Mm. Um, and you know, there will be ways that we kind of like bridge those things together and make it very like seamless. Cause you know, like I said, like I never want anybody to feel like, oh, well I'm not welcome here. It's, it's really not that. It's, it's doing those extra measures um, intentionally to make sure that everyone actually feels like yeah. comfortable, you know, and can like enjoy their time together. Because so many people are moving to the city and so many single women are moving to the city. And the first thing they'll ask other women is like, well, where do I meet like other women? Yeah. Like, where do I meet? And you cannot say bar. Like, do not say bar because that is not actually how life works, you know? Like, that is not how that's gonna yeah. go. Single woman alone going to a bar, you're probably not gonna have like mm. that great of a time. Um, and the response it's is back to the first thing you said. You know, well, bar, church, yeah, like, yeah, bar, know. church, or yoga. Like, which one is it? You got those three at this point. Um, I, I like stretching. I yeah. don't like sweating. So, like, Brickman yoga isn't gonna work for me. Like, right. I, I know no vibrate. Yeah, for you. no, yeah. I know who I am as a person. Yeah. Like, so cycle. Like, I would probably like throw my shoe at the instructor and like leave and never be allowed back. Like, I don't like people yelling at me. Yeah, that's not fun for me. That's mm -hmm. not encouragement. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so. Um, I told Stan what, what I was thinking of and he said, yeah, do it. It's amazing like having people just say, yeah, mm-hmm, go <laughs> on. And so um, I've got two daughters now. When my second daughter was born, um, I, you know, I threw her on me and she would be behind the bar with me like making coffee and ringing people yeah. up. And so um, my oldest daughter's name is Lillian Josephine May Rodriguez and my youngest daughter's name is Lola Darling Rodriguez. And so I'm gonna name it Darling Josephine and it'll be nice. over in the Sedare School. Um, hmm. I'm supposed to get the keys for my build out in October, we'll see. And wow. so hopefully beginning, um, beginning 2021 will be open over there and I'm really excited about that. Um, hmm. And because people have faith in me and I don't know why, um, there's also a 5,000 square foot event space that's gonna be above that. Mm. And so I asked Stan like, oh, well, who's gonna run the event space? And he goes, I figured you would. And so. <laughs> Thanks, Stan. Okay, <laughs> so there's also, there will also be the hall at Darling Josephine yeah. that will be there as well. So we'll have a 5,000 mm. square foot event space over there. Um, once again, like just kind of like gets like, it just weird how like all that stuff sort of connects. You know, we'll have the artists there that are in the lofts. Um, there's actually a, um, a nonprofit uh, Quaker organization that's going to be there that focuses mm. on social justice and community wow. and like that sort of thing. Their yeah. commercial space will be there as well. Um, we'll have a social worker that her office will be there. Mm. Five of the units will be Section 8, like so full on, you know, just intersection of all communities. Um, there's 35 altogether, 25 of them will be Invest Atlanta, so those will be under market rate. Wow. And then there will be five that are market rate. And so like just really, you know, trying to do what you can to connect everyone together and to have somewhere where like everyone can be supported and, you know, through this quickly developing <laughs> Atlanta yeah. landscape, yeah. still kind of be those kinds of, you know, reprieves for people. Sure. And, yeah. uh, you know, so much of our conversations now around the city are, okay, intended and unintended uh, effects and consequences of the development that the city is going right. on. And so just to hear about your intentional plans to kind of combat some of the negative unintended consequences right. that we're battling 
you know, as a father of two daughters, you know, awesome. as well, awesome. you know, like goosebumps yeah. and, and hearing that concept. So that's super exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really cool that, you know, here you talked about East Atlanta voted one of the you know coolest places to live in the country. And now you're going to get to see the same concept of, you know, whether it's inclusion or just a reflection of the community in a business in a completely different neighborhood right. on the west side yeah, of town. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be cool. I mean, one of the things that I thought was really, like, I think that's when I realized that, like, the goal had been met when it came to um, being that cross-section of of really everyone in the city is when we sat down with Mike and he was like, okay, well, explain your demographic. And he's like, how many men come in, you know, versus women? And we were like, oh, 50, 50. <laughs> and he was like, okay. You're a mirror of the neighborhood you're in. Yeah. Basically. Well, yeah. you know, and, and then he was like, he was like, okay, well, let's break it down by like race, like, you know, like minorities versus like white. And we're like, I mean, 50, 50. And <laughs> like his mind, he was like, that's kind of wild because you know through the research that he had done you know usually coffee shops are pretty predominantly you know like white space and actually a pretty predominantly male space and less Hmm. women are coming in in groups so it's like this idea of like you know safety once again and like comfort and like the being comfortable walking into a big space alone and getting what you want and like sitting down and I think that like the things that I'm thinking about with like the new concept you know they already exist here but they exist here because that's just kind of like who we are as people (laughs) and what we put out there but I'm realizing that there's still this gap like you know um, and I want it to be like intentionally woven into like the mission and like the vision Mm -hmm. and the values versus it being like simply because we created this space, it reflects our right. beliefs and like, you know, like what we want. Like, you know, a lot of people come in here and they're like, the vibe in here is just different. Like, it's just a dip. And it's like, well, you know, especially when we first opened, we were at the time, as far as I know, other than on the West side, there was one, like the only like solely owned female coffee shop in the city, <laughs> you know? And I think like, there's, there's, a, there's obviously much more things in common for men and women, but there's still some things that I think women just kind of like pay more attention to. Yeah. And probably because, you know, we've been socialized to be more domesticated. So, you know, like we're looking at like spaces and comfort sure. and, you know, things like that, not to mention like our own just kind of like walk through life. Like one of yeah. the things that we had here that people were like, we were our first year open, we were voted the most family friendly coffee shop in Atlanta, which one I didn't know was even like a category. But two, like it was because like, I was like, well, I have a kid, you know, like she was six months when we started the process. It's gotta be family friendly, it's not gonna work. Yeah, and then then she was two when we opened. And so, you know, like we had like a changing table and they're like, this is the first coffee shop that has a changing (laughs) table. Like like the bar was set so low. And even like, you know, and in East Atlanta, because in East Atlanta, you know, at the time, you know, it wasn't as many families as it is now. And like, I even like, the things that we would have like I like I would preface with like I know this is not cool Hmm. but like I have this tiny humans like we have to have it like you know we need changing tables we would have like a little place with like a chalkboard you know like we had couches that like you know moms could like which we would still have right now by the way if two cars hadn't hit our building in the same space which is where we are recording right now yeah um, which is why we're changing this one of the many reasons why we're changing this into a market Um, there was I could not feel comfortable having people sitting here turned their back reading a book and like a car come 
flying through the window, which literally uh, happened last last February um, during Super Bowl weekend. Gracious. So, um, like, through the window, the full car except the back two wheels were in our building. Wow. Um, but there was also this... Nobody was sitting here, I hope. No, it was an hour after we had closed, but it was closed. But, yeah, as this neighborhood has changed, as you said, like... When we first opened, Larry, who did our laundry, who his, you know, he worked for the lady next door, came in. We had no idea who he was, and he said, "Well, when you close, this could be a nice spot for a buffet." <laughs> and everyone was thinking, like, "Wow, that's real disrespectful." But I was like, "I mean, he's also like not really inaccurate in thinking that maybe a coffee shop is not what you know." Hmm this neighborhood would want, like we thought it was, but you know, who knows, maybe you want a buffet. I love buffets. Yeah. I almost cried when Super Salad closed down off of North Druid Hills. I'm still waiting for them to come up with something new. Like I'm still waiting for them to find a location. Um, yeah. And so. The end of Wendy's Super Bar was a sad day. Can we just talk about it? There's yeah. one KFC left that I know that has a buffet mm. and it's in Irwin Dunn. And I know that because my grandparents live there and there's still a buffet <laughs> there. And we used to go there almost every other Sunday after yeah. church because that's what you did. You went to church and then you went to the KFC buffet. Mm. So. Um, all that to say, I'm not going to say Larry was wrong. That's him right there to pick up our rags. When I tell you, like, we still... <laughs> the timing. I mean, I see Larry, yeah. and he will get his hot chocolate, and yeah. I don't think he's ever said he was wrong, but he came in more often and bought stuff, so mm. I guess he, you know, realized we were going to be around for a while. You know, I love the, the, the theme of not being afraid of micro failures yeah. to, to learn. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's all it next. is. Yeah. Like, it's not a problem and it's not a failure. It's just a lesson learned. Sure. You know, and I think, sure. um, I think I've definitely been able to, instead of like, I don't even think I get to the point, to the point of like worry anymore. Like my response is just like, well, then what do we do? Yeah. Because what's the point of the worrying and the wallowing yeah. next step? Like just, okay. So what does that mean? Sure. If somebody comes to me, phone call frantic <laughs> this is happening okay well what does that mean well yeah. that means that this isn't because this is happening this can't happen <laughs> okay cool so let's do this so that this can happen yeah uh, crystal thank you so much for having us Absolutely. Uh, loved hearing about your journey and let's keep in touch i would love to come visit you that know, would be the awesome. new spaces I'm as they very come online excited. yeah definitely. for sure and uh you know panther pride down at summer hill and 100%. then we'll be We'll be, uh, you know, excited to see what happens over on the West End. So best of luck with all of it and holler at us so we can help. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, ma'am. To keep up with Crystal and the HodgePodge team, follow them on social media at HodgePodge Coffee or visit their website, hodgepodgecoffee.com. If you've been listening and would like an additional opportunity to support the show, we've got the perfect fit. Our first t-shirt, the Our City, Our Story tee, is now available on our website. To get yours, head to atlborn.com shop. Special thanks go out to our producer, Catherine Hilliard, and the Connects Media team of Chris Hilliard, Mackenzie Bates, and Andrew Blaylock. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.